Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Was that, an, was that an oh yeah? I don't know if that was an oh yeah. That was a... That was an oh. Here we are, once again, <laughs> starting another week of Snow the Goalie Radio, which we're excited to be here for. But your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, the orange and black... It's... It, I don't want to say it's a mess. We're not, we're not in a mess yet because we have faith in AV. I'm an AV lever. But um, it's... It's been an up and down sort of week for the orange and black. So my prediction last week was they would go one one and two in the four games because we weren't sure initially if we were going to be here today. They've gone one one and one so far. So as far as I'm concerned, the week is going as expected. Russ, look at you. The week is going as expected. I suppose. I. What more do you want? The Flyers are a middle of the pack team. Yes, I believe in Elaine Vigneault. Yes, they're, he's a good coach, and he's got some guys going in the right direction. Yeah, there's still some flaws, but this team plays a better, more consistent brand of hockey. Okay? Right. It does. And so I think long-term, I think we're looking at where this team maybe should have been a year ago or two years ago. Okay? This is where they are now. Uh, it, the process was, a, was way too long to get to where they needed to be, and, and they're actually playing okay. There's going to be times when we're going to get frustrated watching them. There's going to be times when they're going to get real. You're going to get really excited watching them, and it's just going to be one of those seasons that's you know up and down. And you know, in the in the end, they'll be battling for a, one of those last playoff spots. And whether they get it or they don't will depend on how they're playing come you know March. Um, but they are what they are. A below 500 team. They're mediocre, and and you had to know this coming into the division. Washington was was clearly going to be the, the class of the division. Sure. The Islanders have been phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, nobody saw them being this good. Especially when, yeah, because I, there were even people that were saying they thought that they might be fourth or fifth in the, the division. And they, I, people thought that they I were going to have they, a regression because of well, the, the massive the massive leap that they took. Well, yeah, I from, thought there was going to be a re- 17, I thought there was going to be a regression. I thought there was going to be a regression where they were going to be battling the Flyers for a playoff spot because I felt that they couldn't get the kind of goaltending they got last year. Um because you know, you know, Robin Leonard had just like an incredible year, and then he's gone, and so I think well, you can't get lightning in a bottle two years in a row with two different guys, and yet here they are, you know, what fourteen zero and three in their last seventeen games, or whatever fifteen zero and two in their last seventeen games. It's some fascinating number. It's it's really incredible. So they're now among the elite in the division, and then Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh. Carolina's really good, even though the Flyers have beaten them twice. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you had to know that this was kind of going to be where they were going to slot in in this division. 
And so when you look at it and you sit there and say, okay, yeah, they've they've played 23 games. They've only won 11. They're, you know, what, 11, 7, and 5. Um, you wish that that 5 number wasn't what it is. I think that that's kind of an, an intriguing thing and something we should talk about today, about how shootouts are, are gonna, could well cost them a playoff spot this year. Um, but, you know, other than that, if you take that 5 out of the mix, okay, and sit there and say, you look at those five games, even those five games that they lost, they could have easily won all five of those games. They were the better team in four of the five. And then the one is kind of you know debatable was the Washington game where they were better for half the game and worse for half the game. Um, but at the same time, you, know, you look at it and say, eh, it's better than it was a year ago at this time. I, I, don't, I, don't, know how, I don't know how it's not. You know, I think you were pretty positive. Uh, Ryan, can you re-rack the intro? Really quickly, can you uh, can you play the audio for us again? No. See, only I ask those get those requests. See, I, Russ. I wanted I wanted to reset. No. He wants to do a, he wants to do a oh yeah. I want to reset. He just wants the beginning of the, the music again. Oh, the music! I That's thought you wanted said. me to like replay no. it. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Like some sort of animal. give me with you the intro. You know, only Anthony gets those things. Yeah, he wants. He just wants the music again, so he can do an, he, he intro. Just wants a, he intro. Just, he just wants to do a whole re-rack. New, San Filippo bringing a little bit of positivity. <laughs> whenever, whenever you're ready. Ryan Lennox, best yeah. in the biz over there. <laughs> I think he fell asleep at the computer for a little bit. No, he did not fall asleep at the computer. No, there he is. He's actually managing two different things at once right now, or maybe even three. I think somebody rung the door. Oh, I have. I have a player that I don't think can do two things at once. Who apparently is so far in AV's doghouse that do we have it? Good to go? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. Ah uh, yeah. Oh yes! There, see? Now Russ is excited. The Philadelphia Flyers! <laughs> They are unpredictably mediocre, and we are here for it. Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. There, is that better? Russell, you're killing <laughs> you me. You feel better now? You're absolutely killing me. Okay, so let's let's talk about a player that has fallen on his face. Yeah. Shane Goss Despair is a healthy, a healthy scratch for the second straight game. Yeah, he won't be playing tonight. I want to point out, because I always like to say that we had it first, we talked about this for a full season. We talked about this from, I think it was about November. It was this about time, this time it was last this time year. last year, yes. That Shane Goss' despair was far from that kind of aberration 60-ish point season. And that at some point, fans were going to have to wrap their heads around the fact that he might not return to that dynamic form. And perhaps he would be better off with a change of scenery. And at the time... I think there were some people who quietly agreed with us. We got DMs about it that said, you guys are probably on to something. There were people in the press box that said it, but nobody really wanted to go public with it. And then, of course, there were other people who have a platform uh, who said we were pushing an anti-ghost agenda. We had, we had something personal against a player, and we were trying to tank his value. We were trying to, to tank him and degrade him as a human being and as a player. And now here we are, a year later... The style of play has changed. The system has changed. The coach has changed twice since this time last year. The GM has changed. The assistant coaches have changed. He's on, what, his third defensive uh, um, grouping coach within a year. And yet, 
We have the same Shane Goss despair. He's been scratched twice. This is the second game in a row that he's a healthy scratch. And now I'm starting to see some of the people who said we were pushing an agenda saying, wow, I don't know. Maybe Shane Goss isn't as good as we thought he was. So here's what it's I It's amazing. Here's what amazing I Amazing how that kind of thing Here's what I happens. have to say first of all, Russ, is that you let that you take this stuff way too personally. Way too personally. I do. You I'm really proud do. of it. Just let let the people who have to catch up to us 12 months later catch up to us 12 months later. It's okay. We just stay that far out ahead of everyone. That's not that's fine. You know, you don't you don't have to sit there and and rehash the fact that that we had it first. People know. People know. They know where to get their information. They know where to come to. There, um, is, that, there is that multiverse where Joel Quenville is leaning <laughs> on Shane Goss' bear maybe, on Power Play 1. Maybe that'll be a thing. In the midst of his 25 Maybe they'll trade him to Florida. Yeah. Um, no, but the thing, the thing of it is, is that, and I got, and I got into it, not, I don't want to say got into it, but I had a little back and forth on Twitter today with Colby Cohen uh, from NBC, NBC Sports is, Philadelphia yeah. um, uh, analyst about Gossespear because Bill Meltzer put a couple quotes out, which I'm, I'm going to want to read Meltzer's quotes that are from um, Gossespear that he got Shane uh, to, to talk about today, which were great. And Bill's really good at getting these quotes. Um, and, and basically, uh, you know, those those quotes is Gossespear kind of recognizing just what exactly is an issue. And, and yeah, there are issues on the ice. Don't get me wrong. He's not played well. He's not played well for a year and a half. Okay, so this is not this is not anything new. Um, but his quotes are are really interesting. He says, "I've never I've never battled this much playing before. I've got to figure some things out mentally and find a way to be a good teammate. That's a big part. Stay positive and get back to it. I've got to work on myself. When you get taken out of the lineup, it's not for no reason." And then he goes on to say, mentally, when you're playing with a lot of crap in your mind and you've got a lot of confidence issues, it's harder to make plays and adapt. I've just got to realize how good of a player I am and that players like me don't grow on trees. I've got to get back to that. I I think there is a lot to unpack there coming from the player directly. And taking the first part of the quote um, where he says, I've got to figure some things out mentally and find a way to be a good teammate. That's a big part. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is where I got into a little back and forth with Colby Cohen. If not Colby Cohen. I mean, huh? I said not Colby Cohen. No, Colby Cohen. No, yeah. um, it almost made me think I said his name wrong. I'm like, did I say it wrong? No, it was Colby Cohen. Um, and and, and the, the whole good teammate and work on myself stuff, that's telling. It says to me that there's more to this. And we had heard, you know, when we first started talking about this a year ago, being 12 months ahead, um, we had heard that he was a little bit of a malcontent in the cl- in the locker room, right? Yeah, it was. He was a little malcontent and and potentially not self aware. Yeah, a little a little uh, right, exactly. Al- almost as if he had what was the the phrase that Av said about the vets recently that more money in the bank. money in the bank. Yeah, almost as if he in his mind had earned more money in the bank. Mm-hmm. That he was carrying himself in a way that that he was a real core member of this team. Which, in fairness, a lot of fans and some media put him in that group correct um so i i think that i think that that's that's kind of where you know this kind of started and maybe it was because he had a really and from what i'm told gossip bear had a really bad relationship with gord murphy who was the assistant coach in charge of defense under dave hackstall um 
prior at the beginning of last season when Ron Hextall was fired as general manager and Hextall stayed on as coach Gord Murphy was fired with Hextall which was kind of a weird thing that you're firing the assistant coach with the general manager but keeping the head coach it was because he was a spy well we talked we talked about that a little bit he was he was Hextall's guy in the locker room and so a change was made and Rick Wilson was brought in now Rick Wilson has been considered a defense whisperer um and 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 he has been a real it was a real guy who you kind of thought if anybody's going to fix this defensive group because it wasn't just gossip it was struggling last year at this time last year it was at this time you still had Provorov was struggling Sanheim was still not I mean he was great from Thanksgiving on but up till Thanksgiving he really wasn't playing well so the whole defensive group was really sagging last year okay and so you thought bringing Rick Wilson in came in out of retirement as a favor to Hackstall he would get these guys fixed yep and it didn't quite work now it didn't doesn't mean that Rick Wilson and Shane Gossespierre had a bad relationship I'm not saying that by any stretch of imagination but it certainly didn't work between the two of them so when you bring in the new coach and uh, Elaine Vigneault uh, gets to bring uh, his assistants in. And one of them is Mike Yo. Now, a lot of people will say Mike Yo is Chuck Fletcher's assistant coach because he was, you know, worked for Chuck um, in Minnesota and was uh, head coach there. Um, but Mike Yo had, has a track record of being a very good defensive coach. Okay. Um, very good defensive coach in, in his days uh, as an assistant. And you could see the changes that are that are happening with the defense okay there's still some flaw, still some of the same things happen but on the whole this team doesn't break down as often as it did a year ago yeah. and 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 there were they're willing to make changes in season quicker than they were a year ago you know when we saw the forecheck really kind of pestering their defense and Flyers having a hard time getting the puck out of their own zone um, if the, that Islanders and that Penguins game they really kind of turned it around from there they changed how they were playing uh, their breakouts they had their forwards come back deeper to help the defensemen there were some things that were changing and the Flyers became a more defensive team since that point they've been one of the top defensive teams fewest goals allowed in the NHL but they're not scoring as much so there's there's a cause and effect there okay um, and, and so but so you're seeing these kinds of things happening you You've seen a resurgence from Provorov. It's been really, really good this year playing with Matt Niskanen, who's been a nice addition. Um, Sanheim's had his ups and downs. He was down more than up earlier, but his uh, last few games, I think he's played better. Um, he played. I liked him playing with Justin Braun in the game Saturday against Calgary. I thought that as a pair, they were really good. They drove the play. They didn't give up a lot of shots. I thought it was Braun's best overall game. Braun's been excellent on the PK, but really struggled otherwise this, so far this season. He's been like minus 15 or whatever he is. A lot of that has been playing with Gostaspare and playing with Sanheim has been a nice pairing. And then the third unit was Robert Haig, who was in for Gostaspare and Phil Myers. They weren't great, but they weren't terrible. I mean, they were just kind of, they were what a third pair should be, okay? And, you know, they still make, you know, still going to make mistakes. I mean, Haig, Haig's a better positional defenseman. Uh, he's not very good with the puck on his stick, though. Doesn't, you know, make a great first pass. Doesn't carry the puck well. He's Phil, not a great defenseman, but he's a reliable third pair. But, but he's, he's better in his own end. 
Yeah. He's a def- he's good he's a good stay at home guy. Which I know a lot of people don't enjoy. But he does say, that saying well. is a thing. But, but he, he does that well. But, yes. Okay. Whereas Myers is better at the other stuff, but Myers still makes a lot of uh, young rookie I don't want to call them rookie mistakes but young player mistakes um, in his own end with with trying to force too much or trying to make too long of a pass or too much of a breakout but so but so but they're not they weren't bad against Calgary yeah they were still pretty good um, and so they're going back to that again tonight and, and there's a reason they're going back to that again tonight because they played such a good game defensively against the top you know, a top offensive team, even though Calgary has been struggling coming into the game, when you look at the talent on that team, you said they should be scoring more. Um, so that's why I'm s- sitting here saying to you that that Gostisbehere recognizing that maybe he's not been the best teammate in the last year and a half by his quotes is a positive, Russ. Maybe, it, maybe he figures it out. Maybe he now understands, you know, I, I've been doing this wrong. I, I've been approaching this wrong, you know. I mean, yeah, he's not been great on the ice, but it's a lot easier to be better on the ice when you're not in your own head all the time, when you're not complaining about other things, when you're not worrying about uncontrollables, right? That's what he means by that. And I'm not certain that that Colby got what I was trying to say um, when we were going back and forth on Twitter a little bit because you know Colby, you know, he played in the NHL as a defenseman. He ended up being a number seven defenseman a, a couple times, right? I mean, he he knows what it's like to be that guy who's sitting out, sitting as the as the healthy scratch, and wondering why uh, he's not playing and when he you know might get his next chance and how much of a chance he'll be given. I mean, so it's he. I think he gets it from that perspective, but I don't think he he quite sees what I'm saying is that. Gostas Bear is finally, I think, recognizing why it hasn't been working for him for a year and a half. And now the question is, can he apply that, Russ? Can he apply that when he gets back into the lineup here over the course of the next week or so um, and, and have that impact his game in a positive manner? Debbie Downer time. No, I, I don't think it's there. Uh, and I go back to the NHL Network special that that the Flyers participated in the behind the glass training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. And he was one of the guys that they focused on. And he talked a lot about, you know, staying in the city. And it, it felt like, you know, they had even set up the narrative that he had recent struggles, that his name had been out in trade talks. And of all the guys that had been featured on the show, he was the one that had kind of like the, not the worst body language, but certainly the confidence didn't come across on TV. It was almost as if he was already in his own head prepping for another season. And that's why, once again, I say, I think Shane Gostisbehere has the potential to not be the 61-point player he was a few years ago. But I, I think that if he were to go somewhere else and get a fresh start, maybe he ends up rebounding to be a 45-ish point player elsewhere. I mean, I, I know that people don't like to face facts and they don't like to look at numbers because it doesn't fit you know, their hopes and dreams for every player. But aside from the 65 point season, Gostas Bear's gone. He's had, he had 37 points last year. He had 39 in 16, 17. He did have 46 back in 2015, 16. I think there's a 40 ish point player in there. I just don't think it's here. And I think it's because of all the external factors. It's, it's that need for, for fans to acknowledge that there's a human element to the game that, you can't quantify. It was one of those things we talked to Riley Cote about. 
you know, the, why it's so important to know where a guy's head is at. I mean, there's a reason that there are professional teams that do those daily check-ins where they ask their players about how things are going at home. I mean, over the summer, it was a thing uh, that Kevin and I did down at the uh, Philadelphia Union, but they, they do a check-in on Slack every day to, to get an idea of, is there something that happened at home? Was, did your kid not get sleep last night? Did it keep you up? Because then you know that your player's not working at, at full capacity. There is a much more holistic view that coaching staffs look at when they're coming up with their lineups, when they're designing their practices, and when they're evaluating talent. Because if, if you don't know what's going on with your player off the ice or away from the ice, you're going to assume that they're at 100% unless they say something otherwise. You're going to assume that things are fine at home unless they say something otherwise. And I can't say that AV and, and Ghost have had this line of communication or that you know that these things have been weighing heavily on Ghost's mind. But I think, I think it's safe to say that there's a human element here that has to be taken into account. And I think that the psychology of year after year going out and there being these unrealistic expectations from the fans that you're going to go back to that 60 point form i i think that that kind of weighs against you and i think that after oh wait, after, a, wait a second are you trying to say to me that fan expectation weighs against players no oh I, let's put that one in the back pocket and save it for the next hour um because that's that is something that you know yeah it happens but as an athlete, you gotta you gotta try and get through it but it's not easy i no, agree it, with you and it, it, it's not right? it's not easy because you don't want to dis- there there is that part like nobody wants to get booed in their home arena. No. Nobody wants to get smack talked or have articles written about them being a bad player. No. You're human. And like the people who who typically revert back to the idea of, well, they're making X million dollars per year. I would let everybody make fun of me if I was making that kind of money. You don't know that. No, it still it still bothers you. It's still going to bother you. I mean, look, you know, I've been at this game for, you know, two decades and at least on social media for for 10 years. And I can't tell you how many times people have said something negative about something I've written or something I've said. And, you know, I, I 99 times out of 100 just let it roll off my back. I don't really care. You know, it doesn't bother me. But every once in a blue moon, somebody's going to say something that's going to strike a nerve and yeah. you're going to respond. And that's just, I mean, you know, and, and that's going to happen if, as an athlete, it's going to happen even more because you're so siloed, right? Sure. I mean, in, into what you're doing, uh, you're so focused on your job pretty much 24 seven at a professional level that you're kind of, you know, it's hard to kind of put, put away what's going on outside of your world. Yeah. And and just not and just ignore it because it's you know it's it's just really hard. And let's not forget the fact that a lot of these guys who make it to this ultimate level and find success like he did, they've probably gone through most of their lives being told they're the best player on yep. their team, they're the best player on the ice at any given time, they're the best player in the tournament. You keep ramping up the expectations, and at the same time, it's not that it's a negative ego thing, but you really do start to believe a lot of that hype, sure. and then when the bottom falls out. You don't know why. You don't, you don't know understand. why because you haven't necessarily had all the trials and tribulations Correct. That, that others have. Absolutely. Which, I, there's, is, there's, which is why I think you see a guy like Robert Haig kind of bounce back and and know that you know he might be the seventh defenseman on any given night, but that he's had to kind of scrap to to get where he's at. Right. Whereas Gossip Bear was always anointed to be something higher. So I actually do feel bad for him. I, I feel bad well, for that's any... Well, that's what I'm trying to say yeah. to you, that I think that this is a positive to hear what he says. Like, to hear him respond the way he did. Like, I look at it and say, 
maybe that's what he this is exactly what he needed he this kick in the pants is what he needed to kind of get back to being the kind of player he was before and like he doesn't need to be a 65 point player sure he doesn't if he just is if he's a like you said if he's a 40 to 45 point player he's he brings benefit to the lineup okay so if he can get back to being that i think it, it it's a boon for the flyers yeah um the question is is he just saying that but can't get over it himself and we will find out when he gets back in the lineup or does it really does it have an impact and you'd like to think that it does i mean to hear him say it he's we always thought like a year ago that he wasn't very self-aware right yeah. we, you mentioned that you said that at the very top of this but maybe in fact he is russ maybe he's now gotten to the point where it's like man here i am five years in the league you know i'm 26 years old now and i'm not a young kid anymore you know my my career could be on on the line here if i don't start figuring this out on a different level off the ice and then have that impact the way he plays on it I, and it could this could be the best thing that ever happened to goss despair or or it could or, go, or, or, it could or go it could absolutely tank him. Yeah. And and this is the other thing too. I think, you know, he's he's been a healthy scratch now. This will be the second game. The question has come up, well, is this just because um, the team is working on a trade? And I saw somebody respond to you, I think, on Twitter today that this is more about they know what Ghost is. This is them trying to showcase Robert Haig There's no, for a no, trade. It does not happen. And the only thing I can say to that does is does not happen. Robert Haig is not a guy that you showcase. Yeah, no, there's no showcasing. Look, scouts are we had scouts what was it the the home opener or the second game there was 12 scouts at the game or th- 14 yeah, scouts. there was 16 16 whatever it yeah. was, okay? Scouts come to games all year long. That's what they do. And you scout players all season. So to sit there and suggest that a team is putting someone into the lineup because someone else is interested in seeing them play, you know, that's that does not happen. Just does not happen. I'm sorry. I, I, I know we want to believe that narrative that, oh, they're shopping this guy, you know, they're showcasing this guy. Does not happen. And so Robert Haig being in the lineup in three of the last four games, okay, he was in the lineup, then he was out of the lineup, then he was in as a seventh defense because they dressed seven, and now two games in a row is the sixth, is not the Flyers suddenly saying, you know what, we're going to take the next six, seven games, and we're going to play Robert Haig and hope that the Tampa Bay Lightning want to trade for him. Like, that, 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 is, that is not the approach that you take to trying to win high. The Flyers are trying to win games. They're not trying to trade their extra defensemen because, A, they don't have anybody behind him. There's no depth really behind him. It's a bigger issue, yeah. Okay? And, and B, it's like the defense is, is where there are still some issues, and they're trying to figure it out. New coaching staff trying to put the puzzle pieces together. It usually takes a couple months to figure out what you have and how it's going to work. That's what it's, it's more that than it is showcasing a player. So, no, I, oh, and, it's not happening. And by the way, let's say, let's say hypothetically you were going to move on from one of these defensemen, and you had to go and get a, a depth kind of guy to fill out the back end of this defensive core. Mm-hmm. What's your problem? The cap. And this and this all comes back to yeah. poor roster construction, which yeah. I feel like we're going to talk about in the six to seven hour. Um, but taking a team that had a ton of cap space going into the offseason, and now you're up against it, and you have no flexibility. And these are the kind of moments where you sit back and say, if, you're, if, you, if you don't, I'm trying to think of what the appropriate term is that we're not going to get dumped on the radio here by uh, by Ryan back there. If you don't waste, if you don't light money on fire in the off season, 
retaining salary for Radko Gudis, although Niskanen has been excellent and that, that trade has, has worked out well. Mm-hmm. You bring in a guy like Justin Braun, which um, that, that has not been as positive. Um, you start to, to see the way that some of these acquisitions add up. And at some point you have to ask, you know, did Chuck Fletcher do the best job this offseason? Because he gave himself no wiggle room. And right now, I would say the roster, if you look at it across the board, is a more talented overall group than it was a year ago. They're a better coached group, and it's a it's an overall better coaching staff, a more experienced coaching staff than it was a year ago. And I think Fletcher, over the course of his career as a GM in this league, has enough of a track record to say that he can oversee very good teams. So I feel overall better about it. But without that cap flexibility, it really does limit what you can do throughout the season. And I guess one of the questions that people are going to have, at least as it pertains to cap and the way that they built this team, is Nolan Patrick. There, there is going to be that, that little piece of this. They finally put him on LTIR. You talk about the, the way that that kind of works within the cap and the way that you know, Fletcher decided to build this team, big, big money spending, um, signing on Kevin Hayes. I don't know. I, at, at this point, I kind of feel like they're locked into the team they have, right? Like, uh, unless you're going to try to make a blockbuster-ish kind of move. Yeah, right? I don't even say blockbuster. I mean, you can look. There's always ways out, right? There's always ways around it. So, there, this this is not something where the Flyers are going to be a team that's going to make a, a series of moves. They're going to pretty much stick with what they have, barring injury, um, right into February. And then, as you get into February and see where this team is. Um, in the standings and, and the like. Maybe they make a trade for a piece to add to the roster. Maybe they trade somebody off the roster, depending on where they're at in the standings. Maybe they don't do anything. Maybe they stand pat just because that makes the most sense, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, it, But I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's anything that's, that's imminent. I don't think that there's any kind of pressing thing like the Flyers are looking to shake anything up at this point yeah. I, no I don't see it oh, you don't think they're going to go and uh, get get Johnny Hockey no <laughs> they're not trading for Johnny Gaudreau I heard they're going to trade him and then no. get a DeAndre Hopkins no no okay so uh, on the other side let's get into some positives and there's a there's a young positive on this team who has impressed so far although he's been a little bit up and down like we expected him to so on the other side we'll talk about Morgan Frost and anything that you want to discuss, if there's uh, anyone out there who wants to give a call, feel free, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Snow the Goalie Radio on 610 ESPN. Hey, I'm Russ Joy. I'm Kevin Kincaid. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. And I'm Bob Wankel. For the best coverage on Philadelphia sports, check out Crossing Broadcast Radio. Right here on 610 ESPN. Philadelphia. Welcome back into Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Whoa, whoa, I know we were just reading about ghosts, but uh, breaking news, Anthony. Uh-oh. This is big. Yeah. You ready for it? I'm ready. DraftKings has launched an online sports book created by sports fans for sports fans, and it's now available in Pennsylvania. That's right. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. The DraftKings Sportsbook has it all. 
overs, unders, player props, in-game betting, and special odds boosts every day for the biggest games. This isn't some offshore operation like other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in Pennsylvania or in, in the U.S. and in Pennsylvania, so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Get in the action wherever, whenever in the Keystone State. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. Crossing broad in all caps. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's promo code crossing broad to get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Only DraftKings Sportsbook. And I think uh, you have a pick. Yeah, my pick uh, won again last week. Six and two now, right? I think, right? Uh, Bob, our show seven and seven and two. I'm sorry, we're seven and two. Successful San Filippo. Yeah, seven and two. Me and Bob, me and Bob should start teaming up. Although Bob, awesome Anthony. You didn't have you didn't have his Bob didn't have as good a week this week in uh, in football. I <laughs> see. <laughs> Bob didn't have as good a week in football, but that's all right. So seven and two. How did the maestro do this? Uh, uh, this uh, he was not very good. The maestro was not very good. Anyway, I'm gonna. I'll give. Normally, I give a pick that's on a Tuesday night, right? Normally, I give a Tuesday night game, Russ. But to, this week, I'm gonna because it's the holiday. I'm gonna give you a game that's actually on Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. Give you a hockey game. Give them a couple days leading in. Something to, you know, if you want to bet while you're sitting there, you know, having your uh, turkey sandwich at seven, you know, seven o'clock at night, right? Right. That's a thing. That's Mount Rushmore. That's that's a thing. Okay. Um, There is only one game on Thanksgiving night, and it's the Devils and the Canadians in Montreal. And the reason that they're playing in Montreal is because it's not Thanksgiving up there. Their Thanksgiving in Canada is in October. There is nothing worse than having to be the road team on Thanksgiving Day traveling to another country. Woof. It's terrible. Not to mention the Devils aren't a great team. If only there were a bunch of Canadian teams that they could have scheduled. They, for that they day. could have. I mean, there are if seven only, of them, if right? Only, if only the league so, had Canadian team. So I look at it and say, this is a bad spot for the Devils. They have they're going to have no desire to be traveling over a holiday. A lot of teams get the day. Everybody else is off, mm-hmm. so they get to go home and be with their families, whatever else. The Canadians, at least, they're playing, but they're at home. Yeah. The Devils have to be on the road on Thanksgiving Day. It's in a bad, Montreal. And it's a bad spot for them. Uh, and, and Surrounded no, by Quebec. Because nobody else is even celebrating That's it. not what Christopher Nobody Columbus else is wanted. even celebrating the holiday up there. I'll take the Canadians in a walk. I think that's an easy win. Wow. Pick the Canadians Thursday night at home. In order to get in on that, don't forget, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code CROSSINGBROAD. Remember, you can get it up to a deposit bonus of $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Here we go. You ready? You're positive. Right. You got positives. You want positives? Yeah. What's your positives? Frosty the center. He had a, he had two two goals. And then he didn't have a Scored great Scored a goal game. in two straight games. But then he didn't do well in his third. He didn't do great. He didn't play great the other night against Calgary. He was just there. He made some plays in game three, (laughs) and Anthony called him lame. (laughs) He turned the puck over, right? Turned the puck over on the first Calgary goal. Uh, He had two odd man rushes where he, to to his credit, admitted um, afterward that he made the wrong play in each. He said he made the you know try to make a. 
nifty pass to Michael Roffel on the first one when he should have shot and did not. Um, and then on the second one, he's on a two-on-one with Giroux, and rather than try and get the pass to Giroux, he took the shot and it was not a great shot. So, I mean, those weren't great. I didn't think he was, you know, excellent in his own end. Uh, he was kind of rotated out in overtime. I know AV said, oh, well, I had him as the fourth pair because mm-hmm. um, you like to have duos, you know, mm-hmm. two forward duos. But, I mean, how often do does the fourth pair get an opportunity in overtime? Those five-minute overtimes go very fast. It's usually three pairs that get to go. Especially if lacrosse rules. Now. Right. And he said, and he basically said, well, you know, we had a, a defensive zone face-off, so I went with Giroux instead of going with Frost on that fourth pair. Okay, fine. But then he wasn't even using the shootout either. To me, that was it wasn't necessarily a benching per se, but more that, you know, even when they even when they had the two one lead, the Giroux's line went out there um, and they didn't put Frost out with Giroux. They put Raffle out with Giroux in the third period. Um, they were trying they're trying to protect him, not put him in situations where he has to he's gonna be forced to play defensive hockey. He's still got some some weaknesses in his game that aren't quite NHL ready. But that said, yes, nice goal in Carolina, uh, nice goal or Florida. The first Florida, was yeah. the first game, nice goal in Carolina. Really looked good in both in both of those games. Give the kid credit. You know, he stu- he he made them keep him. Yep, he made them keep him here rather than just be two games and sent back down. Once Scott Lawton came back into the lineup, he made his way into into the lineup and he's staying now. Does he stay? For how long, long does he stay? We'll back. wait That's and see. Question. But the fact is, is for now, he's played well enough in the first three games to stay in the lineup. I mean, I look at another kid like Joel Farabee, who got off to a great start, and Farabee's been fighting it a bit the last yeah. few games. Um, I don't think it helps matters that he's playing on that line with uh, with Hayes and 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 Lawton. Not that Lawton. I mean, Lawton's first game back, um, but that there's not a lot of offense on that line. Yeah. And so I think that a, a young kid like Farabee, who's used to being a productive player, could find that he gets a little he's mentally kind of, frustrated. He's kind of back in where Flyers fans typically expect to see the young players put in a position to not exactly be successful. It's almost overcompensating to to an extent if you think about it. Frost now being paired uh, on that top line, especially with Giroux, um, and connect me. Yeah, it's it's almost like they overcompensated, and now Farabee, in a, in a way, by means of there being a, a roster shuffle of sorts and a line shuffle of sorts, Farabee's no longer on a uh, on a top in the top six. He's just in a he's in a spot where he's gonna he's gonna have a hard time putting up goals and and scoring points on I'll, a line where the offense. Just I'll tell you bad. what. I'll tell you what. Where Oscar Lindblom leads the team in goals with nine, but he hasn't scored a lot lately. I think he's gone seven straight games without a goal, or is one in seven, something like that. Five without a goal, one in seven, three straight games without a point for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe Oscar Lindblom's regressing back toward the mean a little bit. Not to say he's played bad because he hasn't. He's just not. He, he there was no doubt he was being overproductive. Okay, yeah. he was exceeding expectations there. Sure. Maybe the best solution is to play Farabee with Voracek and Couturier and drop Lindblom down with Hayes and Lawton to make a legit third line that will grind the heck out of you, be really good on possession, be solid defensively, all three of those players really good defensive players, right? And really make that an excellent third line. And you give Farabee an opportunity to play with guys who can help him create and help him score in Couturier and Voracek. To me, I think that's an experiment that might be next for the Flyers and might be one that they look to uh, 
to try and play out um, down the road here. I don't know. Just, just a little insight, I think. Is there another positive right now that you can give the fans Ivan to, make them, to make them feel better? I think Ivan Provorov's been fantastic. I agree. He's been really, really good. He's playing, he's playing hurt. He almost didn't play Saturday because of an injury. Um, and then he took a, he blocked a shot off his leg that looked really, really painful. Um, but he's, he's almost back to where he was two years ago. Um, and he's playing 27 minutes a night. They don't, they don't have a problem like shortening the defensive rotation a little bit. And really for Provorov more than anybody, it's not like Provorov and Niskanen are both playing 27 minutes. They're not. It's just Provorov. Niskanen's playing 21. I mean, he's playing top pair minutes. But Provorov's exceed, beating everybody by at least six minutes in ice time. He's getting five or six more shifts per game than any other defenseman. Um, and the reason is is because he's been their best guy. And I, I, you have to be really happy with where he's at right now if you're a Flyers fan, that he's kind of getting back. Like it, you're, Last year t- is looking more and more like it was a one-off and that Provorov's back on track to being one of those elite-level defensemen as he gets older. He's still only 22 years old, right? Yeah, and, it, and it's so critical, too, because of the way that they lean on him in terms of being the top-minute getter on, on the defensive side. And being the guy who's expected to shut down the opposition's best lines. I mean, if there's one guy that that you could have put money on or or that you would have put money on early in the season and said, take everything I have, turn one guy's season around, get one guy to rebound from a a poor 18-19 season, it would have easily been Provorov. Now we get into getting away from the narrative that we had to kind of start the season where it was, oh man, you know, could Provorov not be an overpaid guy if he is that up-and-down defenseman we saw a year ago. But now we're back trending toward that, man, he could really be a steal. Two, three years, salary cap goes up, TV deals get renegotiated with the NHL and some of these networks. Presumably ESPN might be getting back in on it. Um, all of a sudden, you talk about the percentage of the cap hit that Ivan Provorov will take up in, in three or four years. You could look back on this kind of deal the same way that you look at the deal that the Flyers made with Sean Couturier, where he's been arguably the, the best value in hockey. Yes. Yeah, I mean he he's he's easily playing like like the the Flyers need him to play. He is their their number one guy at this point. And as expected, but there was a concern that maybe he wasn't as good as he was 2 years ago and now it looks like there he he really is. He he is is back to that. And I'll tell you another thing, the game against um Calgary kind of overlooked, not talked about but Jake Voracek, he scored a goal. It was it was kind of an easy goal because it was a Sandheim shot that got through David Riddich, and he just basically swatted it into an open net. But his 200th goal of his career, that's great. He played a really good defensive game. And you never hear that. Nobody ever talks about Jake Voracek being a good defensive player because he's usually not, okay? But he played a really good defensive game with Couturier and Lindblom. They had them out against the... Um, Calgary top line the entire game and that Calgary top line didn't generate anything yeah they scored the extra man goal in the final minute and a half um, that was that came off of an icing so it was a different group that was on so it wasn't that top line against them and it was six on five Flyers were playing it differently um, but for the, the five on five play they drove play 
they they kept uh, Goudreau and and uh, Monahan and Lindholm off the you know out of scoring areas. Really did a nice job. So you're looking for another positive. I think that's one. You're on Snow the Goalie Radio here on Six Ten. Uh, Ian on the on the phone. Ian, you're on Snow the Goalie Radio here on Six Ten ESPN. Hey guys, um, great show. I just want to talk about. So I I've had this thought now probably since uh, AV got there about whether or not um, the Flyers are actually developing young talent and and maybe maybe it's just me, but I'm starting to feel like there's this facade that was built up by this hackstall that we accrued all this young talent and that we replenished the you know the depths of our minor league system and that everything was going the right direction but now i'm worried that the coaching staff itself is actually not capable of developing any young talent obviously av and them just got there so i can't point too much to that but the bottom layers of that system that have been in place um and and developing those skills to bring them up almost seems to be either stunted or they're not you know, they come up and they're not producing. Now, granted, young players always do, but you're watching hills and valleys or, uh, hills and valleys with Proverov. You're seeing Goss Despair go through this um, up and down. Where is the line where you're seeing, do we actually have young talent? Did they develop properly? Or is this one of those, like, no, we're just told that these guys are all talented and we have no idea? I think that the Flyers maybe in recent years – overvalued some of their talent Ian. I, I i think that not to say that they're bad players i mean obviously they're all you got a lot of young talent in the nhl right now okay so the fact that they're able to play in this league tells you that they are nhl caliber um but maybe they they made it out to be that they were going to be better than they are um so maybe they did uh, overvalue uh, overvalue them a little bit and maybe the weakness i think of the hextall group uh, when he was gm was they weren't as good of self-evaluators as they should have been um because there are certainly pro- probably i mean the opportunities to potentially bring in other players if you were willing to give up some of your talent. I mean, the Flyers had, by all accounts, one of the top two or three farm systems in the league two seasons ago. Um, it's probably not ranked as high right now because a lot of the guys that are in the NHL. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing, we're watching these guys play, and you say, yeah, they're okay. Um, there's still potential for a few. I mean, obviously, you know, the goalie's going to be really good, and, you know, you think that Farabee and, 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 uh, and Morgan Frost will be pretty good. Um, but, you know, some other players didn't quite pan out the way that you kind of thought that they would, or they're taking a slower course to getting there. So maybe that was an opportunity for the Flyers to add something um, via trade, and, and, and they just didn't want to pull the trigger. And so maybe the self-evaluation is, you know, it's not that they don't develop players properly, but they don't self-evaluate properly. Because you're not going to hit on every draft pick, right? You're just, you're just no, not. but... But wouldn't you? But like I said, maybe it's my. You know, obviously I have a, a deep-seated interest in the Flyers doing really well. But wouldn't you think it's like should they be hitting more? I mean, is it? Do they feel that far off that they're hitting? Because I feel like we have a bunch of bottom six guys at this point. I mean, maybe one of them becomes top six, but I feel like I am just grounded with like fourteen bottom six forwards all at one time, and it's like I don't know what to do with all of them. Where they're all jammed together, and I only have like three top six forwards, and that's and part now of the problem. I'm in a posi- well, that, that's part, <laughs> that's like, part of the problem too, though, right? Because if some of your higher played, your higher paid vets, your JVRs, 
your Jake Voracek's, your Kevin Hayes's, were able to elevate those guys the way that you would expect them to and the way that you typically would design a team to do, then we wouldn't have this conversation, right? Because you would start to see the the same, maybe not as much of a, um, a shooting up through the atmosphere kind of thing that we saw with Oscar Lindblom to start the season and to some extent even with Travis Konechny, although I think we expected him to continue to develop and continue to put up points. But I think this whole thing is kind of exacerbated by the fact that these high-paid vets aren't getting the job done. And so now more of the scoring load is kind of falling onto these guys, like you're saying, that are more of a bottom six kind of forward. It just makes everything look that much worse. So you're saying the replacement would be is that it's actually the young guys, in order to hit that top six level, top six forward level talent, it's it's that they're being held back from the guys that they're playing with. If, if those guys were better... I would see it's, more out of Frost and Faraby and, you know, all these guys where I'm like, well, oh, none of them feel like they're jumping off a page. Well, and, it's and, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, and, and thanks for the call. What I, what I want to say to that and how I want to answer that is these guys may not quite be cooked long enough to be at the NHL. Like, the Flyers have them up because they, they, they need to try and generate offense. I mean, their offense has not been good this month. It's been one of the worst in the league mm-hmm. in the month of November. So... These guys are here because they're trying to find a way to generate offense, okay? And it's what you were just saying. It's a trickle-down. So the veteran players who you expect to score aren't scoring. You don't want these guys playing bottom six roles because they're not ultimately going to be bottom six players. So now you have to shuffle the veterans down into the lineup, which is why Voracek was down for a while. JVR still down there playing on the fourth line. Kevin Hayes is playing third line. And you're playing for your call-up Frost, and he's got to play on on your top line, and and you got Faraby playing up and now he's kind of bumping down a little bit but you're trying to slot and find places for these young kids to play and maybe they're just not quite a hundred percent ready they're ready enough that they can be there and and they can contribute and be part of it but you also have to protect them and so you're watching Vino try to do a little bit of a juggling act to, to make sure that he puts them out on the ice at the right time and in the right situations so that they are they you know they're not put into a, a tough spot you know in a, a zone draw against the top line or whatever the case might be um, so anyway it's a uh, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a tough spot and it's ma- it's created by what Russ was saying the veterans not contributing as well as they should and and putting these kids into a tougher position we just agreed on something all right i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get too comfortable with that really quick uh break and on the other side we'll get into some predictions and what to expect from the flyers in this upcoming week this is snow the goalie radio here on 610 espn philadelphia hey i'm russ joy i'm kevin kincaid i'm anthony sanfilippo and i'm bob wankel for the best coverage on philadelphia sports check out crossing broadcast radio right here on 610 espn philadelphia And we are back on Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Yes. And we have to uh, talk about the week ahead. Yes, we do. You know, usually we, we end up rushing this little part of the show. So let's get into it. Let's give it the time that it deserves. It's a big week. We've got Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days. Three days. Three days. And the Flyers play on Black Friday. They've got the Canucks tonight. How do you think that the next few games go go down they've got three between now and friday 
And then they, of course, have a, uh, a Saturday game. It's a packed schedule. Yeah. Um, so let me just pull it up real quick. I know that they played Vancouver tonight. They've got um, Columbus on Wednesday. Colum- at Columbus and then Detroit. Home, home against Detroit on, on Friday. Black Friday. It's a 4 o'clock game for anybody who's still interested in going down. I'm sure there are yep. seats available. And then uh, Saturday's game is at Montreal, which is another afternoon game, by the Way. way. It's a Saturday afternoon game. Um yeah, it's a, it's not an easy it's not an easy week. Uh, home away, um, traveling over Thanksgiving. Home away, home away, um, traveling over Thanksgiving. The weather is not supposed to be great. There's going to be kinds of all kinds of weather delays around the country this year for the holiday. Um, so that could that could mess some things up for the Flyers a little bit. Um, that said, I think they're better than Columbus. They're definitely better than Detroit. Um, Montreal, they're probably on par with. And Vancouver, they're probably on par with. So it's not like you're looking at them facing teams that are better than them. Um, I, I think this is a successful week for the Flyers, all, all told. Ooh. Um, I, you know, I think How frisky are you feeling about it? 2-1-1. One one. Okay. Wins coming against Detroit. Detroit for sure. Um, Do you think they go to Columbus and is that the one? Is that an OT win? Yeah, I, th- I think they win in Columbus, maybe lose Montreal, and maybe lose in shootout again tonight. <laughs> Just for funsies, because we'll be down there, Russ. Uh, they'll they'll lose, uh, lose tonight in another shootout. Flyers go. You ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. One, one, and two. <laughs> well, look, th- they lose. Tonight's a regulation loss. Okay. They blow a late lead against Columbus. Oh, that's brutal. that they go they go to OT. Captain Claude ends it with a goal. Friday night or Friday afternoon, we're down there. They get a win over Detroit. Yeah, feel very confident. They blow a late lead in that one as well, but they Detroit, they recover. Detroit stinks. They recover in the third, and they go up to Canada, and it's a, a shootout loss to the Canadians. So let's talk about these shootout losses, right? Five shootout losses so far this season. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy through 23 games to have five shootouts. They've had eight shootouts in 23 games. That's a, that's a ridiculous pace. That would be a, a record if, it, if they keep it up over the course of the year. Okay. You would be pushing 27 shootouts, 28 shootouts, whatever yeah. that math is. Um, they can't keep going to shootout, Russ. One, because they're not a good shootout team. Yep. But two, you're, you know, even if you're 500, you're losing points left, right, and center. Right now, the Flyers are clinging to the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, okay? And they've lost five shootout games, four of which I'd say they were the better team. Um, One, you could argue maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But let's just say they get four out of those five games before they go to the shootout when they were the better team. Now, instead of having a one-point lead, you have a five-point lead at this juncture. When you get down later in the season... Okay, we've been through this. We've talked about this in the past. It's hard, even though a race might be close. You're, oh, we're only four points out, or you're only three points out. It's hard to get over that hump just because of the loser point in hockey. It's yeah. different than in every other sport. So it's really tough to overcome even small deficits. Wouldn't you feel a lot better having a five-point lead for a playoff spot than you would having a one-point lead for a playoff spot? Of course you would. Okay, so that's so this get there. They has to start avoiding the shootout, yep. not playing to get there. They have to they have to avoid it. And it was interesting, but Voracek brought that up after the game the other night. He's like, "What's our record in shootout? Me. Yeah, three and five. 
So let's have this conversation. If you're AV, yeah, and you know your team historically hasn't been good in shootouts, do you do you take the the restrictor off in OT? We talked about the fact that teams tend to like to go to kind of the lacrosse style, right? You get you get the first face off win, and then just and you hold and you just try it. to hold possession. Yep, get a, a few shots on. But do you? You're more or less playing for the shootout. If you're AV, do you do you say to your team, "We're going all out." We're we're gonna, it's gonna be high pressure, because you know that your team just isn't that good. And man rush goes the other way, then so be it, because you know that your team just isn't that good in the shootout. Does it make any sense? Or do you uh, think, or do you think the hockey man in him still yeah. believes that being a fifty-fifty, you don't want to risk the possibility of it being a fifty-fifty in the shootout? The when, hockey man believes that defense wins. Yeah. The, the hockey man believes you, you stretch it out as long as you can. And the longer you go, the better the chance you win. I mean, that's, that's just the natural hockey instinct. Um, but I, I, can, I, see what, I see what your suggestion is, and I don't think it's a bad one. Maybe not for every game, but it wouldn't surprise me if you try it once just to try and turn things around. Anyway, we got to wrap this puppy up. Russ, we're going to go into the crossing broadcast here in a minute. I want to thank Ryan Lennox for producing this wonderful hour of hockey entertainment.